Thompson Mitchell, these are my stories. Howdy, folks. How are a good day today? I'd like to be the first to welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we, we begin, I must know that I am not a doctor or a psychiatrist. If you feel like your son or daughter needs to be diagnosed, please see a physician for any medical concerns that you have, because I only speak on this based on my experiences. Now, I also do not own the rights to the music. Both were found on YouTube and were published on YouTube in September 2019 and March 2009. So now we got that over with. Let's go to the topic. So today's topic, we'll be interviewing a, a very special man named Mr. Abe Shapiro. So how are you doing today, Abe? Uh, it's great to be here, man. Thank you. You're welcome. So can you please say to our viewers out there? Well, I uh, just wanted to say that um, I'm really excited to be on the show. Uh, I'm honored Sam has uh, picked me to be on the show, and I'm excited to talk with all of you just about, uh, uh, you know, college inspection is all about my own experiences, and just uh, hopefully uh, we all can learn a little something as well, and just uh, all while listening to good old rock and roll. So, All right. So my first question to you is, what does having autism mean to you? That's a very good question. You know, originally I thought it was uh, it was a little strange. Uh, you know, I noticed growing up that I had some strange behaviors. You know, blurting things out at times, uh, saying some rather uh, some uh, some jokes that just weren't funny. You know, humor wouldn't fly. I'd be somewhat sarcastic. I'd act out in certain situations. Uh, you know, blurt out in class, and uh, I never could understand why that wasn't really. Uh, explained. I didn't. Uh, I didn't understand. It wasn't until eighth grade, really, that I was that I was told by my parents that uh, I had Asperger's syndrome. And um, you know, I, I I can understand why they didn't tell me at first. It probably wouldn't have made a lot of sense to me at the time, uh, as I was still growing up. But uh, it really uh, it explained a lot uh, to me. And you know, ever since then, I've considered it just part of my identity. Uh, I've considered it, you know, part of my life. Um, I've considered it as something that can work for me rather than against me. And, you know, that's not to say that it's uh, a disease or anything. That, that, in my opinion, is a tragedy to consider you know, the spectrum something as, uh, as something that you need to get over, something that uh, will, you know, destroy your life. That is far from it. You know, it's obviously- Yeah, it's far from the truth. Yeah, or it depends the circumstances but personally I, I mean I would consider it something to be proud of I mean uh, I don't think one should be afraid uh, of it you know again it's best to uh, allow it to work for you rather than against you and to do everything in your power uh, to make that happen so to me I guess to uh, include this rather long spiel uh, autism to me is it's a part of my identity um, and it uh, it makes me who I am and I'm proud to you know be a part of, uh, of uh, such a uh, diverse community Ah, oh, I am too, man. I am too. We definitely, I was learning when I was five. I think my mom did it through me. Didn't she do it through me through a book? I think I learned through it through a book was my, um, the way I learned. They read me a book. It was the funny, it was the same name as me. Understanding that's where Sam thing. Oh, I have that, you know. I get it now. Yeah. That's why I have it. My mom didn't tell me. Yeah, I got I was, it. I, yeah. I was told through I a book. I found out I was diagnosed at the age of five and didn't find out till eighth grade, so. Sorry to interrupt, my man. All right. Uh, it's all right. It's fine. You're fine, buddy. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I learned my through book. So, we definitely have a lot of things in common with how we were told it, I guess you could say, or told that we had it. Absolutely. So, 
what were your first thoughts when your parents revealed? Like, what were your first thoughts when you learned that you had autism? Well, I mean, I think that it, uh, it was sort of my eureka moment, I guess you could say. Um, I, I'd really thought about it for some time. I mean, I, I knew that something was different about me. I knew that, you know, there were certain things that I didn't do normally, you know, sit still in class. You know, I'd normally isolate myself uh, on the playground. I didn't really talk to uh, kids my age as much. I found that I could get along better with adults or that I had a much easier time talking with adults uh, than I did uh, with kids my age. I also, I also found that I was interested in certain topics and that I would obsess over them. Uh, you know, one of the things that I remember obsessing over is the Titanic, actually, and, uh, you know, the story of shipwrecks, American history, you know, the great composers of the 18th and 17th centuries, you know, Ludwig van Beethoven, Wolfgang Mozart, and, uh, you know, listening to their music continuously until, uh, well, the CDs wore out. But, you know, I think that having those specific interests made me feel that I was different. I, and, you know, it, it developed a sort of hyper-focus in me uh, where I could focus on these things outside of, uh, outside of the classroom. And, you know, I always had that desire to learn. I think that that's an important part of the spectrum too, is that uh, obviously it depends, I think, on, you know, the degree, but I believe that each of us has a desire for lifelong learning and to, uh, you know, work to foster it. And so, you know, I think that being told for the first time uh, that I was diagnosed opened up, you know, this moment where I realized, so that's where all this came from, or this is why, this is why I am who I am. And, you know, it was, it was a little frightening at first. Um, you know, to, uh, I went to a, 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 a special needs school or a, a school for twice exceptional kids. There's a model, you know. A kid is, uh, any child is, has the ability to make an impact on this world. And then the second exceptionality is that they have a spectrum disorder or they have something that, uh, you know, impacts them in everyday life. And, uh, you know, going to that school was, uh, was sort of that second or rather that next moment where I realized, yeah, definitely something different. And then this was really just the, uh, the pinnacle of it. This was really uh, the moment where it all made sense, where everything just sort of came into focus, kind of like the uh, star child in uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, where it's just like you go into the void and all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, this is, uh, I know all these things now, this is crazy, and you know, egotistic or anything but I mean it just it was it was like oh my god it all makes sense now so I think it was nice to have a little bit of understanding yeah I hear you definitely definitely I could hear you you know you said education I mean that's important I mean I don't want to know I don't want to learn more about science or social studies well social studies yeah but not like any more about science or math but I still know more <laughs> about their history you know what I mean Me like, too, I man. Learn more about Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or about this, about the civil war, you know, or Absolutely. more about grammar. That's, I hear you. Education is a big key in autism. We want to become Albert Einstein's just not yeah. our, just our own type of Albert Einstein. Yeah, and I mean, through our own passions, I mean, you know, rather than ask people to, you know, engage in something that we don't particularly enjoy, it's better to foster that sense of lifelong 
learning and what we do best. And, you know, it's something that I really uh, have sought to do uh, even after I learned about the fact that I had Asperger's and just trying to help people achieve the same thing. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely my goal. I think I'm doing okay. Hopefully I am. Absolutely. So now, how do you think our brain, our brains operate since we both have Asperger's? How do you think our brain operates? Is it like a wheelhouse? Is it like a pin? Is it like a royalty mess? I mean, how is it? How do you think our brains operate? You know, it's, it's uh, there are a number of ways I could describe it. Uh, all right, Ed, let's come on. Yeah, well, you know, I think you hit the nail right on the head where, you know, you have the cogs in the wheel, you know, going, you know, you have that that type approach. Uh, for me, there's a, there was an instrument that I saw on Facebook recently that uh, that had all these sound effects that the guy would play, you know, the maracas and then the, uh, the bells ringing, kind of sounded like the soundtrack to a Looney Tunes cartoon uh, that they would play in the old picture shows oh. in the 20s. And so uh, I think of that with all these sound effects like that's all folks i kind of think of you know all these uh yeah exactly and uh and uh you know just with all the uh the firecrackers and the sound effects that's how i think you know our brains work all of our brains work uh you know when we're stressed we have the sort of uh we have that sort of looney tunes uh instrument uh in our head but i think when we're calm and we're focused and we're trying to think things out I think that we are we uh, our brain transforms into this uh, this uh, you know all the wheels turning like in a clock like an old time clock where you see the uh, the wheels inside uh, moving the hands about so I think that uh, those those two interpretations really cover the way I see my mind or we could go the other way where we see a bunch of people working in the uh, in a computer lab and uh, filing cabinets uh, with all of your uh, interests and whatnot. Uh, I've seen that in a number of TV shows. SpongeBob, Ned, I saw those growing up on Nickelodeon. They show the mind uh, in a certain way, like an office complex. Yeah, you're like and, uh, you're thinking like the office that, that really struck a chord with me. Yeah, so I mean, that was uh, th those are my interpretations. Okay, well, that is our good messages. I could agree with all of those actually. They're those are really interpretations I never even thought about. Nice job. Thank you. Really good job. So now. What is something I do not know about you? What's a surprise fact, like a general? Like maybe you don't, maybe you like olives and I didn't know. Or you <laughs> run a game show or something, I don't know. What's a surprise fact, bro? Well, you know, uh, when I was little, about 10 years old, I watched this, as you can see, big baseball fan. For uh, the listeners out there, I am currently wearing a Los Angeles Dodgers sweatshirt. Uh, big fan of the Dodgers since 98, been bleeding Dodger blue. Um, but I watched this documentary, uh, 100 Years of the World Series. And after watching that one time, I had managed to memorize each of the World Series. So each of the two teams that played in it, and they didn't start most valuable player voting until 1955. The first MVP was Johnny Padres, Brooklyn Dodgers. Woo, first title. But so I currently know all of the World Series and uh, World Series since 1903, except wow. for 1904 and 1994. Strike canceled those seasons. Ah, uh, could you list some of them? I'm kind of interested now. All right, uh, how's about we go to uh, the 2010s, for example? Okay, let's do that. All right, so 
2010 World Series, San Francisco Giants versus the Texas Rangers. MVP was Edgar Renteria. Giants won their first World Series since, uh, since 1954. Okay. Uh, 2011 World Series, Cardinals, Rangers. Uh, but I'll go back a little further. 19, 1911 World Series, Chicago uh, Cubs versus the Philadelphia Athletics. Athletics won in, uh, I believe it was five or six games. I'm a little rusty on some of these, but, uh, you know, 19, 1907, Cubs versus the Tigers. Uh, Cubs beat the Tigers. They beat them the next year in 1908, and then they wouldn't win another one until, uh, well, four years ago. <laughs> 2016, who, by the way, the MVP was Ben Zobrist, hit the 10th inning base hit that won the title. So, I don't know. I think that's just a little bit of a taste. Yankees have 27, so we could go on for ages talking about, you know, how many titles the Yankees have won. You know, I know the, uh, I know the uh, longest sports droughts, too. You know, Cleveland still has one. They've had one since 1948. Red Sox waited 86 years. Cubs waited, we know, 108 years, almost fitting because the numbers match up, 1908, 108. But uh, I don't know. Hopefully I didn't go too far in depth with that. But uh, I know know a few of them. I haven't won since 88. That's impressive, man. That's really impressive. That's a great message because even though we might struggle with something else, you can remember all the series. You know, I can remember a wrestling match from 20 years ago that happened. I mean, that's impressive in my eyes, so – Nice job on yourself. Really impressive. Thank you very much. You're welcome, buddy. So now, how do you get your message across? Like, we know you run the Neurodiversity Collaboration IU. So how do you get the message across? Like, you always have this message. I don't know what it is, which I'm going to ask you. Like, what is the message? But how do you get the message across? And how do you interact with someone? It was the Philadelphia A's versus the New York Giants. Four games, two A's, one. So I got the A's part right. Close, but close. But you asked, uh, I'm sorry. That's you fun. asked, what was, how do I get the message out? Yeah, how do you get the message across and how do you interact with someone? Well, uh, are, you, are you talking about, um, you know, the group at IU or? Uh... Both, kind of. Like, I'm asking about your group at IU, but I'm also oh. asking, how do you interact with someone like, like me or like someone you never met? Sure, of course. Well, um, well, I'd say, I mean, the first thing that I would do is, you know, go up to them, introduce myself. Uh, you know, sometimes they'll ask you, looking at me. Uh, eye contact is something that uh, I, I struggle with at times. I think that, that that's uh, the majority of us. But me too. I try. Uh, huh? I said me too. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think that one thing I've learned is to try to ask open-ended questions a lot more than closed-ended questions. I kind of think of it as uh, a neighbor coming to the door. Um, so if you want to talk with someone or you want to invite them into your house, uh, well, of course, you know them, you know, as a friend, you're going to want to ask them, uh, you're going to want to swing that door a little wider. So try and uh, try and engage with them a little more, you know, ask them, how's your day? Great. Well, that's a little bit of a close ended question. It kind of ends the conversation before it's really began. So you know, follow up question, for example, such as, oh, what was the why? Uh, why is your day going great? Uh, what, what happened today? Uh, and yeah. then, you know, expand on that. It's kind of like a little bit of a dance. You give, uh, you sort of take the lead, you give them a little bit, they give you a little bit. So I think you can, uh, you can use some of those uh, skills with which to uh, develop a, a nice little uh, discussion with, uh, with them. I, I, that's really one of the ways that, uh, that I uh, connect with people. But uh, for my coalition, 
for years out there, we have the Neurodiversity Coalition at Indian University, which is all about spreading resources, bringing together a group of individuals on the autism spectrum and beyond in order to foster an atmosphere of inclusivity on campus. But I think one of the things we want to do is connect with people via social media. That's something that a lot of organizations do nowadays. But I think the other way we wanted to do it was stream our meetings as well. I know that we streamed our first couple of meetings this year uh, via Facebook Live. Uh, we were also thinking of doing it on Instagram. We didn't really have a chance to develop some of our social media profiles this year. We wanted to focus on recruiting some people via Facebook. But I think that with our next president, Ben Foley, uh, shout out to you, Ben, and uh, Alexis Brown, I think that we can uh, go beyond Facebook and really get the message out. We also posted a lot of flyers as well. We'd have multicolored flyers to attract uh, people's attention. And we use, we use uh, a brand as our logo. So uh, we use cream and crimson, our school colors. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll mix it up every now and then. But uh, I think that's really the bulk of how we get the message out. But there's also a Students on the Spectrum Club oh, by okay. Indiana Resource Center for Autism's Marcy Wheeler. And she is, to me, a godsend because she uh, has really distributed a number of resources on campus that are dedicated to bringing people with autism onto campus and helping them in any way that, uh, that they need. Uh, and uh, so I think that. Partnering with different organizations is another way that we can get the word out. We were thinking of having an event where Haley Moss, the first openly autistic female lawyer in the state of Florida, was going to come and address students at Indiana. And unfortunately, because of, well, the, uh, the little okay. stump that uh, uh, the uh, bacteria has pulled or the COVID virus has pulled on us, you crazy, crazy uh, medical... Uh, genetic thing, uh, which I know nothing about. <laughs> um, uh, you crazy biological uh, COVID creature, you. Uh, we weren't able to, uh, to do it, but uh, I'm hopeful that we can in the next semester. And yeah, do it down the road. You know, we, we're, we're a you know, ragtag group, but I think that we've got a great group of people behind us and we can really make an impact on college campuses uh, so that the people on the spectrum. Uh, we'll be able to, uh, to go beyond uh, on high school and really experience the college life yeah. and just, uh, you know, eventually translate those skills to the real world. That, that's my dream is to really see, you know, people like us go to college and experience the college life, really engage with the concepts that they learn and apply them to the real world so that just as everyone else can. Yeah, I can agree with that, man. So now... Not everyone is accepting with autism. That is sad. So it really is. How do you handle your autism with someone is not accepting you? I have my uh, ways to do. Don't worry. I just don't. I just don't pay attention to them. That's my way. Oh yeah. Well, me too. I mean, I you know, not not everybody's going to like you. You know, that that's a certain part of life that. That's for everyone. Not just do. someone with autism. That's for everybody. Oh, absolutely. Not everybody. And I, you know, I I realize that it takes people time to get used to that fact but unfortunately the world's not a perfect place and not everybody likes everybody and you know I, I think that the way I did it in my early days wasn't the best I mean I'd probably you know shot them I'd be very upset I would think hey what you know how dare they not you know listen to me why ah, ah how, why you know I'm not that different but I realized throughout time that the, those are just 
those, that's just one of those uh, imperfections in the world rearing uh, their ugly head. You know, it's just part of the imperfections of our world in that uh, not everybody's going to like you. And I eventually got accustomed to that. And so I just normally walk away. I don't even engage with them. I just say, have a nice day. Thank you for your time. Kindly leave the stage. And then gotcha. uh, I, just, uh, I just shuffle away. <laughs> I, I need to learn to do that. I'm, I wish everyone liked us because they'd be open, a lot yeah. more open and a lot more enlightened. But I think that's what both of us are trying to do. I mean, you with your podcast, me with my coalition, just trying yeah. to break down one barrier at a time and yeah. uh, you know, bring some sort of acceptance. I think we sort of have that. I feel like we have that sixth sense in a way where we can tell when somebody likes us and when somebody doesn't like us. I mean, we can sort of tell right off the bat even though we may not be able to communicate it fully, there's just that feeling. I mean, for me, I get this sort of tinge in my forehead, right? Yeah, think of, I know what we all have. And um, Spider-Man in the Marvel, the last, yeah. the last Marvel movie, Spider-Man Far From Home, they said, yeah. um, Peter Tingle. We have basically what we have, an autistic tingle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My, my tingle, my, uh, my autism sense is tingling. And exactly, so, uh, bingo. I hear the fireworks go off in my head and I'm just like, yep, catch you later. <laughs> exactly. So now can you describe yourself? Ooh, getting a little philosophical, aren't we? We are. <laughs> well, I, I would say I'm a pretty simple person. Uh, I can, I, I tend to live pretty simply. I don't ask for much. I'm someone who will try to curl up with a nice cup of coffee or something or tea on a rainy night, read a book, uh, go out to a baseball game, try to socialize with people as much as I can. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not the best in loud environments. I'm more of a, I try to be more uh, quiet uh, internally. Well, my, my voice is more, uh, uh, my, you know, I'm more of a loud personality externally, but internally I feel that I'm more reserved. Uh, I don't really like quiet or I don't really like loud places very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to like that, but not as much anymore. I'm the type of guy who's loud and proud. Loud yeah. and proud with the world, loud and proud externally. I mean, for as me, I think I'm about letting stuff. the world in rather than shutting it out very much. But I think it also depends on the situation as well or how I'm feeling that day. I, I, you know, there, there's always going to be a roller coaster of emotions, and that goes for everybody, of course. But I think that... Uh, people on the spectrum they they tend to feel it a lot more or they express it a lot more openly and i believe in that i think that's important because it's important to express your needs to people rather than keeping them locked up yeah it's important i think we do that a little yeah we definitely i think we do that a little too much if you oh, see i agree we do that 102 aussie versus bluntness and i'm just referencing an episode but so seeing 102 aussie versus bluntness for more on that but yeah we open our mouths too much i feel like Oh, believe me, I have spilled more secrets about uh, family and friends that have been that I've been told to keep under strict lock and key than I can imagine. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I've learned my lesson a few times. Yeah. I've realized, hey, you can't do that. That just, you know, if you're told something, try not to tell anybody. Maybe say it to yourself, but try not to make the guy mad. The beans. Yeah. yeah. So. But, you know, and I'd also say that I'm passionate. Uh, I'm still passionate about things like baseball, the Titanic. I love my college. I love my sister. I love my family. Uh, I'm very passionate about, you know, you know, the people in my life trying to make uh, their lives 
better and uh, as good as it can be. And gotcha. uh, I, gotcha. I, no, I would I would say I'm just I'm very passionate. I'm I'm a mix between I'm an ambivert, I guess. Ambivert. Yeah, I once saw that, I uh, was filling out a survey for Teach for America where we we're trying to fill out a survey for our roommates and there were three options. There's extrovert, introvert, or ambivert, I think it was. So a mix of the two. I'd never heard that word before, but I'm going to start using that in my lingo. Ambivert. I'll have to look into that. So now that you describe yourself, now I want you to describe me. All right. I mean, like, maybe not like personal, like feature-wise. I mean, like personality-wise. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll pick something from the movie to help. You are kind, you are smart, you are important. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, but uh, great movie, by the way. Uh, but no, I mean, I think that uh, you're a leader. Uh, you know, the first episode of your podcast, which I listened to last week, you said that you're always willing to go the extra mile, to step up, to help people who need it, who are in a difficult situation. I think that's something that both of us share. And I think that's something that individuals on the spectrum share as well in that uh, they want to help people out and they don't want people to misunderstand them. I think that that's an important characteristic to have. I think that you're hardworking. You talked a lot about you know, your job at the Hay Barn and you know, you've talked a lot about the podcast. And you know, it's important to, at some points, you know, de pick something that you're passionate about and dedicate your life to that. Or oh, dedicate, yeah. uh, dedicate your effort and, well, just, I, I, yeah, I would just say your efforts to it. Uh, so, I mean, I would say that uh, you're both hardworking uh, and I would say that uh, you're very open yeah. and passionate about uh, people. And, uh, you know, I think those are all admirable qualities. I think that those should be values that each person in this world should exhibit even though our world again is not perfect i think that each person could take a page out of your book and uh yeah follow the messiah. this world follow me the messiah yeah i'd also say you're uh you're pop culture savvy as well too with uh with uh, the uh, rock bands you listen to as well and that's not judging anybody who doesn't listen to queen or acdc or any of the other rock bands uh that's just simply uh my opinion because Sam has made a lot of references to Highway to Hell and uh, all these different songs. So I think that you've got, you've, you're very charismatic in that regard too. So, I mean, uh, there are a number of words I could use to describe you, even though I haven't known you for very long. But I mean, yeah. I really think that, you know, passionate, open, charismatic, and, uh, and uh, just positive are, are four things I can really say yeah. uh, about you. And I, I value that. Thank you. So how would you also feel? I feel like this were labeled this. How would you feel about being labeled as eccentric? Hmm. Let me think about, let me explain what I mean by this. So eccentric means we do what we want. We like what we want, despite the popularity that people are going to wear these golden flip-flops. We don't like them. We're going to wear what we want. Yeah. You know, we're not going to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Except we're not going to like it. We're not going to do it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't go with, uh, I try not to flow with the crowd very much. Uh, I try to just do my own thing. You know, when I go to school, sometimes I'll just wear a polo shirt where I just keep the collar open, you know, with one button, you know, fastened, the other one open, you know, the collar is down. 
that distinguishes me. You know, people have different, uh, people will wear, you know, the fashionable button down shirts or they'll wear these, you know, things with diamond, you know, the diamond logo on the front of it or something like that. Something eccentric or something that is eccentric for them, but not for us. Yeah. And I think that, again, that goes for everybody. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would consider myself eccentric. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, you know, I went to, uh, I was in this living learning center uh, during my time at Indiana University, Collins Living Learning Center. Highly recommend for all the viewers out there who are going to Indiana University, one of the most inclusive communities you will ever go to. It's amazing. Uh, but our, our mascot is a gnome. So our slogan is home is where the gnome is, gnome sweet gnome. Uh, and we uh, made these little hats, gnome hats, and so I wore that around often. People in class would be saying to me, what is that? Why are you wearing that? What is this? Why not? I'm saying, yeah, I'm like, why not? We're, it's, a, it's, it's a part of my identity. It's a part of my college experience. Why not yeah. express that openly? Why not say I'm proud to be a member of Collins Living Learning Center? You know, it's, it's another reason why I'll wear my IU uh, jacket around often because, you know, I'm proud to be a member of Indian Indian University. Yeah, people you know, should, think, they should do that a lot more often. Yeah, I don't think that there's anything wrong with doing your own thing. Yeah. As long as it's not hurting anybody else. Yeah, as long as you're not going to cut someone's head off. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, bite the head off a dove like Ozzy. But, you know, so, yeah. you know as, long as, as long as it's within fair boundaries. You're fine. I think everybody should have the chance to be themselves. So, yeah, I would consider myself eccentric. Yeah, Maybe I mean, like well. we said at the beginning, your discretion is not for normal people, but will be completely ignored. Yeah. I that's, what, that's exactly what Matt just said, the whole thing with eccentric. I love it. I know. So now, can you tell me the most rewarding thing and difficult thing about having autism? Sure. Well, I think, the, well, I mean, I think that the most rewarding thing about having autism is you get to discover things about yourself that you otherwise wouldn't have known. You, do, you are able to discover through perseverance talents that you never dreamed you would have. You know, in addition to being diagnosed with Asperger's at the age of five, I was also diagnosed with fine motor skills challenges. So you know, my arm wouldn't lift a certain way. I wouldn't be able to hug somebody normally. So you know, my hands would stay at my sides. My arms would stay at my sides. Yeah, you're a penguin, basically. Basically, yeah. But, and you know, I'd shuffle around, you know, boop, 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 you know happy feet. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, you know, you got it. But uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to play sports. People say, "Hey, you're not going to be able to play sports. You can't catch a ball. You can't throw a ball." Oh. But you know, I got I got uh, uh, occupational therapy, vocational therapy. I didn't really speak a lot either when I was younger too. So that was something else. But you know, through that through that trial and error, that experience, I was able to get. A, stronger in both my arms and legs. I ran cross country freshman year all the way through senior year of high school. So you know, that was a talent that uh, I didn't know. I think that, you know, when you're on the spectrum, you have certain abilities, you know, photographic memory, ability to step up and empathize with people. You may not feel that you can empathize with people, but behind the scenes, at least in your own mind, you are able to, or you, not, not that you're able to, but you can see things from your own perspective. And you know, that's something that I've wanted to do with my coalition. That's founding that came about because 
I was able to see the world from a different perspective. There's that TV show, Atypical. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it on Netflix. I'm afraid not. Uh, honestly, a great representation of people on uh, the higher end of the spectrum. I do wish that they'd included people who are uh, well-functioning. I don't like those titles personally because it segregates, uh, but I do wish that they'd included a variety of people uh, on the autism spectrum as well as high-functioning, but I think that it was a pretty accurate representation. You know, the, the main guy who's also named Sam uh, is very passionate about uh, Antarctica and penguins and uh, you know, Ernest Shackelford and his expedition of the Arctic. And you know, that, that's, that's something to be proud of is having the ability to find hidden talents. And uh, you know, for me, I was able to discover I play the piano by ear and uh, you know, join my school band. And so, I mean, the, it's the little things that yeah. I appreciate about being on the spectrum. Even, yeah, look at, even you know, there are always yeah, some podcasting with me. I mean, if you look exactly. at podcasting with me, I wouldn't have known I could do that five years ago until I joined Media Club. Yeah, right. I mean, silver lining. You know, it, don't you agree? I mean, there's a silver lining in everything you do. You just got to find it somewhere. It might not be easy, right? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So you ever feel that way? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So now you graduated recently, right? Maybe. Yeah, actually just, uh, well, I turned, well, it's a little interesting. Uh, Wednesday I finished my, well, Friday I finished my last assignment. Saturday we held a little grad reception at my grandparents' uh, house via Zoom. Family uh, was watching, my girlfriend was watching and, uh, um, and uh, that, you know, that was, that was important. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm not someone who likes public spectacles, so I, uh, I preferred the intimate gathering. Got it. So what did you go to high school for, bud? I mean, not high school, college. Uh, history. History. History was, uh, was something that I've been passionate about since third grade when my dad first got me uh, the Smithsonian for Kids Encyclopedia American History Through the Years, and I read through that in about a week, and just fell in love with the concept. I love how you can connect certain people to certain events and how the world has developed throughout time. You can look at the uh, more, uh, but uh, no, I think it's, it's, the, uh, it's looking at, it's connecting events throughout time and uh, the people who have, who have conquered challenges that I appreciate about history. It, it made me think of my own experience and, I wanted to learn from those people as well and uh, apply the lessons that these people have. Uh, you know, Albert Einstein couldn't speak when he was little. He ended up becoming one of the most important uh, contributors to science. Uh, I think of, well, let me think. I mean, uh, I think of, uh, you know, there was somebody else, I forget his name, who it was. Um, oh, I wish that uh, I wish that I could remember, but you know, he was the first person to uh, uncover what nitrogen was, what hydrogen was. Henry Cavendish, that was his name, Henry Cavendish. Uh, you know, he ate the same meal, uh, you know, a leg of mutton every day. He would sit in a certain part of the restaurant. And this was uh, 17th, 18th century, but I mean, he operated his own library. He was almost what I would consider to be the British Ben Franklin, but without the independence uh, of the entire, without declaring independence of a nation. They ha had their hold over us at the time. But, uh, uh, you know, I think of those people and I, I think, man, it would be, I used to think, man, it would be nice to do something like them. And, 
you know, discover that difference, you know, that sixth sense that they had. And ultimately I found that I was able to do that. And uh, I think one of the most difficult parts though is being able to interact with people. Uh, sometimes you may not see eye to eye with people and you can get frustrated about that. You know, they might interrupt you at certain intervals. That's something I can't stand is again, when people tell you to act a certain way, when people tell you, hey, you can't do this, you can't do that. Hey, that's weird. What do you, you know, why are you talking about this too much? Hey, you're talking too loud. And I think, excuse me, isn't everybody talking very loud? Isn't this a very loud party? Isn't this uh, exactly? Isn't this a classroom? Yeah, I thought we were supposed to be loud. I thought we were supposed to give our point of view. Okay, uh, but you know, I don't. I don't let that defeat me. I just, again, you know, go on my merry way. I don't think anything of it. I think that that's that's also one of the toughest things that someone on the spectrum uh, can struggle with. It's taking things personally, and uh, you know, I think the important thing is realizing that not not everything is personal. That you know, there's, there's always going to be something in your way, but uh, just don't let yourself stand in your way. And so I think that's something that can be very difficult, not letting uh, you know, yourself stand in your own way. And so I think in life, you're not competing with other people, you're competing with yourself. And so just making sure that you don't get in your own way is a critical uh, lesson to learn on the spectrum. And it's something I struggle with still, and I know a number of people do, but I think it's possible to uh, to get better at over time. So now that we talked about your job, I want to know about, I like to eat. So this is just a personal question for me personally. What is your uh, paradise meal, your favorite food? And why is that your favorite? <laughs> you know, it's an interesting story. I have eaten meatloaf since I was like five years old. And I'm not talking about meatloaf with ketchup. Ketchup hurts my stomach. Uh, I'm so, on, uh, I was allergic to sugar. So I discovered at the age of two that, I could not eat sugar. Uh, I started getting hives when, uh, when my parents were giving me eggs or a birthday cake and I could not figure out what it was. They couldn't figure out what it was. And so I was not allowed to eat sugar for three years. Are you still years. sugar? Oh, well, at the age of five, uh, at five years old, uh, the, uh, the doctor said, oh no, you're fine. Sugar, all set, buddy. Eggs, nope. Sorry, no eggs for you. No, uh, no scrambled eggs. No, uh, uh, I don't know, other, other egg dishes. Uh, scrambled eggs, chicken in the basket. I don't know if you know that. With, uh, oh, the bread with the uh, egg in the middle. That's one of my sister's favorite foods. But uh, I think I've gotten through that. Uh, I mean, I know you, you, uh, you can't have uh, certain meats as well. I know with alpha-gal too, I remember uh, hearing you say that as well. Yeah. I'm lactose intolerant myself too, so. There are certain types of ice cream I can't eat, or or just certain acidic foods too. Uh, but anyway, with all with all the pessimism out of the way, uh, my my paradise meal is meatloaf with mustard on it, uh, or salmon. Personally, I love salmon. Um, also, my favorite cookie is a black and white cookie: chocolate on one side, vanilla on the other. The old uh, a taste of old New York. Uh, but uh, I love that cookie. Uh, I'll eat the vanilla side first, chocolate second, save the best for last. Uh, and uh, my favorite drink is also peach snapple. Goes back to my middle school days. We'd order from a, a diner uh, down the road from, uh, from our school, and uh, peach snapple is always just that one. But yeah, uh, yeah my paradise meal is just meatloaf, uh, I would say some brown rice, and uh, a little bit of broccoli here and there. I can eat just about any vegetable, as long as we're not talking tomatoes. 
I oh. can't eat ketchup, by the way, because ever since the, I think the sugar allergy pretty much uh, eradicated that from my, uh, from my, uh, from my food go. So yeah, I can't. I I don't like tomatoes either. I feel I like I don't like fresh garden tomato. But tomato mix, I think it's fine. My feeling, I don't like, I don't like a fresh garden tomato. I can definitely tell. I can agree with you on that. Yeah, and like you, I love peaches. So yeah, every time summer amazing. comes around, I'm like, yeah. Me too. That's mine. I'll send you some peaches with you. <laughs> oh, dude, you've made my day. <laughs> so now, what is your favorite movie or TV show, and why do you like it? Ooh, I know. I know you've been making a lot of movie references. Ah. Like I now, it's your turn to pick one. <laughs> well, you know, I, I would say that it's a cross between three movies so all right the first the first one i like was uh, the 1994 adaption of uh, angels in the outfield the disney uh, the disney movie angels in the outfield uh i love that one because the tagline of that movie was uh, it could happen uh and this kid uh oh what's his name i, I i'm always forgetting the names of characters in movies but he's always saying it could happen it could happen Angels end up winning the pennant, coming back from last place. Uh, the pitcher who has cancer, uh, he, uh, the angel tells uh, the kid who's uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's the main character, he says, he's going to join the, he's been signed up for the heavenly choir in a few months, he'll be one of us. And he doesn't know anything is wrong yet, but in the last game, he uh, pitches a perfect ninth, clinches the pennant, and that's beautiful because it's overcoming the odds. And that's something that I believe in that, everybody can do. Now, another good uh, movie that I particularly enjoy as well is, of course, uh, A Night to Remember, uh, which is about the sinking of the Titanic in 19, uh, 1912. It was made in 1958, was based on a book by Walter Lord, but uh, that is probably the most accurate to the tape visual uh, representation of Titanic that I know. Uh, the movie Titanic, to me, was great, all right. A little too romanticized. By the way, Jack could fit on the door. I know that. Uh, but, no, I mean, I think A Night to Remember, I love accurate historical biopics. That's something that I love. Um, anything that is, you know, to the timeline, walks the line, is something that I'm a big fan of. And then, uh, ooh, a third movie. I don't know. I'm I'm really into like uh, TV what about Marvel, like Marvel. That could be something you can list. All right, anything like Tobey Maguire's, anything that has Spider-Man in it or Superman, the original Superman from 1978 with Christopher Reeve. If you know that one, I do not. Oh man, the original Superman is amazing. I love that one. It it uh, it has the best visual effects that I've seen in a superhero movie. That's not to say that uh, Marvel's CGI uh, isn't relevant. I love that movie. I love any Avengers movie. The visual effects are stunning, but for the time, Superman's uh, trilogy with Christopher Reeve was incredible. But I don't know. I think that that just about uh, sums up movie. Oh yeah, there's one more, uh, an Indian movie that I saw in 2010, shortly before I found out that I was diagnosed with Asperger's. It's a story about a man named Rizwan Khan. He comes from India and he throughout the movie tells his life story and he goes to the president of the United States. He's, uh, he's from India. 
he's Muslim. And in the wake of the September 11th attacks, there was that rise of Islamophobia in the United States, something that really should never have happened, not to interject anything political into it, excuse me, but I'm just saying, you know, it's that thing of diversity, you know, that inability to uh, understand where other people are coming from. And, you know, that ability to generalize people based on a single historic event. And, you know, throughout his, his, uh, his experience, he finally goes to the president and says, sir, my name is Khan and I'm not a terrorist. And I think that that's something that, uh, that line stuck with me because uh, not only did it show that he was trying to break down the barriers of intolerance that permeated the United States shortly after the attacks, but it really shows that not everybody is a threat. You know, there are some people who, whose purpose in life is to hurt others, but there are way more people who want to make an impact on this world. And I saw that through Khan and his experiences and highly recommend My Name is Khan from 2010. You know, I just, I thought it was very impactful because he was breaking down barriers and he was sharing his life story and he was there for people. That was something that I believed was central to the plot, that he was there for people. And it's something that those of us on the spectrum, I think can rally around. And I definitely rallied around Rizwan Khan during that movie. Uh, I hope I didn't interject anything too political or anything like that. You're fine. But, you gave uh, a good answer, though. I will give you that. But no, I think those three movies are really uh, impactful. Really, uh, Just they're up there, right? Definitely. And Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite all the way. Gotcha. So what, are, what has been your favorite vacation that you've ever taken? And why do you enjoy that vacation very much? Could be one in Texas. You went to Florida. Could be one in Washington. Could be one in Montana, even. I got to say, I mean... Uh, Washington was pretty special. First time I ever went to Washington. Washington State or D.C.? Oh, excuse me, D.C. Okay. D.C. was very special. That is a historian's dream. Uh, I bet I went there once. Yeah, I went, uh, I was actually there in March uh, for uh, for an organizational event uh, in college, but uh, basically uh, it was great. I, uh, I got there a day early went to the Smithsonian, walked through the uh, Air and Space Museum, the American History Museum. And interestingly enough, there was a display case about the Special Olympics and about uh, individuals who are neurodiverse, who have made an impact on history. And uh, that, was, that was the moment I realized, hey, this is, you know, this is a new topic, there's a new social movement in the world, and we each have an ability to make an impact. The other trip that I really liked was the one I took uh, with my girlfriend to Chicago uh, last year. We went, uh, we were all over the place. We went to uh, the uh, Billy Goat Tavern. I don't know if you've seen uh, the Saturday Night Live skit, cheeseburger, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. No, the one I've seen was the Matt Farley, living in oh. a van down by the river. Living down by the river, yeah. I am divorced and I live in a van down by the river. Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, we went there, we saw the old, uh, old train stations, uh, we went to the Museum of, uh, of Art and uh, did a Ferris Bueller reenactment, so we stood in front of the paintings just like Ferris Bueller did. Um, but my favorite part was going to Soldier Field and seeing that statue of the Special Olympic Games. Uh, the first ones were held in 1968 there, and you know, being able to you know, raise my fist in the air uh, right next to it with the uh, snow blowing around me was uh, was a lot of fun. I bet, I bet, man. 
it was great. And then also going to Boston too. I was able to get an internship up there last year and uh, was able to go to a Red Sox game, walk the Freedom Trail on the 4th of July. You know, we, uh, the uh, Massachusetts State House where the Boston Massacre took place, they, uh, they read the Declaration of Independence every year and then they shoot off confetti. They do a little bit of a gun salute uh, in the air. And then, uh, and then uh, there's just a big parade down Faneuil Hall. And that was great because I got to see the scope of the American Revolution, got to see it on the 4th of July. And to me, that's special. I mean, you know, being able to uh, see the birthplace of, Ameri of, American, uh, of the American Revolution and uh, our history on the 4th of July in Boston, that was beautiful. I've only been in Philadelphia, but uh, Boston is really the central area. Yeah, I bet it is. I want to go there to see the um, ship. The what? The ship. The USS ship. Oh, yeah. Is it the Constitution? Yeah, USS ship, Constitution, something like that. Yeah, the oldest ship in the Revolutionary War. Yeah, thank you. I Sorry. Was, <laughs> I like that, too. I was thinking, uh, okay. So what are some, now you probably already, I think our viewers are going to guess what your interests are, but are there any other personal interests of yours? And why do you enjoy those? Well, like you, I mean, I was into broadcasting for quite a bit of time. One of my uh, one of my desires was to become Vin Scully's successor. Uh, Vin Scully was calling Dodger games for over sixty years, and then he retired. Unfortunately, his seat went to Joe Davis, who, by the way, is a great broadcaster. I wish I'd succeeded him, but you know what? I was too young at the time. But I uh, I appreciate. Uh, the art of radio broadcasting. I appreciate the charisma that announcers have on the air, the ability to attract listeners. Uh, there's still a radio station that I listen to every day. It's called Careth 101 here in Los Angeles, and uh, they play a bunch of oldies and rock, and you know, that's my style. And uh, it's probably I know it's probably yours too, uh, but... Um, well, I think uh, I think another passion of mine is, I mean, besides sports, I'm telling you, this is this is tough. But you listen to your lectures basically through the whole podcast, so I'm thinking, are there any others? I gotta think of something. Well, piano. I mean, you know, always trying to uh, learn a new song is something that uh, I'm very interested in. I, uh, I recently memorized uh, "Trains Calling All Angels." I think it's only fitting too, considering. Uh, the need that we need some sort of miracle in the world today, especially with what's going on. But uh, on that pessimistic note, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, also world history itself. I mean, that's you know branching uh, out. Form. Yeah, I bet you'd be interested in that. Absolutely, and I think my other interest is um, well, I'd say teaching as well. well. I'll be teaching a few months, but uh, I think just trying to convey my interest to other people and see, uh, see what their interpretations are. You know, trying to teach something new to someone each and every day is something that uh, I'm interested in. Yeah, I bet it is. My mom's a teacher, so she, see, she feels and See, when I find meet my mother for that, that was a good episode. But yeah, she's a teacher. I think that's the same reason why she likes to teach. Absolutely, yeah. What is, what is your proudest accomplishments or your proudest accomplishment you ever made in your life? Well, I would personally say graduating college. I think that you know, experts said, hey, you're not going to be able to go to college. You're not going to be able to go to high school. You're not going to be able to play sport. Yeah, but then it's always been wrong. It feels good to just you know, stand at the, 
to have climbed the mountain and now stand at the top, realizing that I not only survived, but thrived at college. Um, I'd also say, you know, getting all league honors in my last race across country was something special and being able to pass on uh, the team to a new leader. We were getting the title of team captain was something that I did not expect because I didn't think I was the fastest. I tend to doubt my abilities a lot. And being named team captain my senior year was something that I am still proud of to this day. And being able to lead my team to the prelims uh, was something special. But again, one of my other accomplishments is founding the Neurodiversity Coalition because there wasn't that organization on campus, or at least there wasn't as much knowledge of uh, neurologically uh, diverse people on campus. There wasn't, uh, there was only one club that I knew of, and that was students on the spectrum. And even that wasn't well uh, promoted. And neither was uh, the disabilities for students. I mean, you get extended time, you get accommodations. But, you know, when you see 0.5% of people who are nonverbal not getting their accommodations, that's, that's a big that's, problem. Yeah, that's tough. You know, you see, I, I look at the uh, survey that was in the IDS newspaper about it one time. And it said, you know, 0.5% of people don't get their accommodations. Well, of course not. I mean, they can't even express themselves. Like that's terrible. And they have no one to help them. I mean, you know, what kind of a world is that? So, yeah, that's not you know, a world. It's a world of exactly. garbage. Oh, of course. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons I wanted to found it as well. So that uh, students or teachers could act as advocates as well, help them in the DSS uh in the dss appointments i think that that's that could really make or break a college experience and so being able to found that or being at the forefront of it is something that i'm proud of and i mean i'm proud to share that with uh with the world with, uh, with my fellow students and with the world yeah yeah i'm bet, man it never could have been done without them so yeah i bet so now, are there any good memories that you want to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? It can be with me, with your family. Are there any funny ones? Are there any some that like changed you or, you know? Well, this interview with you is definitely an important memory. I mean, this is the first time I've really had this sort of national interview about you know, the coalition and just telling my story to the world. I mean, I can't thank you enough. Just give me the opportunity. I'm honored that uh, you picked me to do it. And so it's something I'm going to remember. But um, something that one of my favorite memories was fifth grade graduation in 2009. Just shows how old I am. Uh, um, June 18th, 2009, uh, Roscommon Road Elementary School. Sorry, I didn't mean to shout you out, but you were a great school. Uh, I got up on stage. The theme of the year was hope because um, President Obama had become the first black American president. And, you know, the theme of his election was hope. And, you know, that was something we'd been looking for in the wake of the you know, financial collapse in 2008, 2009, and just this uncertainty overseas. And, you know, there was this, there was this sense of unknowing in the nation today. And I saw that when I was little, I saw it in my parents' faces, I saw it in my fellow students. And so they asked us to write a speech of what hope means to us. They were asking for examples of what hope means. And so uh, I decided to write a little poem about what it meant. I said, you know, bullying will not be tolerated in the world, in a perfect world. I described that there would be no, uh, 
no, uh, no divorcing, no fits of rage. And uh, I talked about that because, you know, there were a number of kids who, who went through that when I was in elementary school. And so I really wanted to give, you know, uh, to reference them in my speech as well. So that not, not, to, not to exploit them or anything, but to let the world know that the, this is something that, uh, this is something to, uh, to have faith in, that there is, that uh, we can build a more perfect world. That was really the theme of the speech. And you know, getting a standing ovation, uh, seeing my family stand up after it was all over, even though, well, of course, my eye contact, I didn't really look back, but uh, I could see it. And uh, it, uh, that, that was really powerful. I mean, you know, having as an interesting experience as I did in school, you know, students doubted me, teachers doubted me, and then just you know, reaching that was something that was powerful uh, to me. And uh, yeah, another favorite memory to me was when my, uh, you know, also seeing my dad in that crowd and just uh, his beaming and his smile and his just, you know, the, the tears uh, rolling down his face. I mean, I, I, it was at that point where I realized that, you know, it, I'd made him proud. I mean, he is someone who I try to impress a lot, as well as my parents. You know, they they uh, they believe a lot in me, and they they encourage me to strive for excellence. And you know, seeing them just smiling the way they did, and my mom and my dad just crying—that that was when I realized, you know, I really uh, I really hit the nail on the head and made them proud. And uh, you know, I, I would also say that. That's really, uh, those are really some of my memories. And also finding out that I got accepted to Indiana. That was, that was beautiful. That's something that I'll never forget either. Yeah, so. Indiana is good with special needs. Like I've, oh, I agree. Not and, just, uh, not just IU, but Indiana as a whole state. It's been so accommodating. I, I love the state. It's grown on me. My mom's from Indiana herself. And uh, the state is, the state has become my new home away from home. And I, uh, I'm hoping to stay there for quite a ways to go. Sorry if I speak out of order. I know I've kind of stumbled over words sometimes. Don't worry about it. Now, I know, I know is there a funny memory you like to talk about? I know I asked it, but hmm. any moments that made you laugh or? Well, let me think here. Uh, oh. It could be with anyone. It could be with your dad, your mom, a family member, me. Yeah. Oh, boy. Wow, this is tough. Um, well, there was, uh, there was one time when I was at a, uh, we were down in San Diego watching a Padres game uh, right before fifth grade. And uh, the Padres, I believe, were playing the Giants. They were up 9-2, if I'm not mistaken. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I see a guy run out onto the field in his underwear, just waving his arms like crazy, just spinning in circles, you know, jumping in the air and just like, woohoo! I'm famous. And then you just see the security guy pin him to the wall and uh, just like, that's enough. And then they just throw him off the field. But, I, you know, I booed just about with the rest of the crowd because I wanted to see an encore performance. I wanted to see him, you know, break it down on the floor and just, you know, I, I, I who knows what that man could have done. He may, yeah, he could have been drunk or something. Who knows? Although I wouldn't have mind seeing, you know, some break dancing, you know, seeing some groove. Who knows what that man would have done to entertain the masses. The game was pretty much out of reach, so. Yeah, he might have something to do and then nothing. We needed some kind of entertainment in the world today. 
or in, not today, but I mean, it, we needed some kind of entertainment at that point in time. So he definitely showed it. Yeah, he did. So maybe this is the final question, buddy. What would you, what advice would you give for someone who has autism or just learned that they had autism? Well, I would say uh, when you first find out, uh, you know, d uh, don't, don't be upset. I think that for anybody finding it out, it can be a little shocking, but I would say take it as a moment of clarity because, and again, it depends on the different degrees of the spectrum, but I would say it's important to not let that affect you. I think it's important to take with it and run with it. Uh, there are a lot of people in the world today that say that it's a, it's a negative trait that needs to be eradicated. And to me, that is, uh, it's just, it's not possible. It's a neurological difference. It's something that is a part of you. It's not something that can be taken out. It's not something that can be completely removed. It's a part of you. And so I think it's important to make your difference work for you. Make it a part of you rather than uh, have it work against you. And you can do that in uh, a variety of ways. You know, find something you're passionate about. Um, don't, um, don't, don't be afraid to, uh, to talk with somebody if you can. I mean, always look for the people who are helping. There's a good quote from Mr. Rogers that I remember seeing in uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. He said, in the toughest of times, look for the people who are helping. Those people will guide you or something like that. But I remember, you know, look for the people that are helping is, uh, is the advice that uh, I want to give to uh, the viewers out there and to the listeners. Uh, something else uh, I might say is find common interest with someone. Um, you know, as you get to know someone over time, you may have different interests with people, but I think, you know, there's always going to be someone who is similar to you, be they normal, be they autistic, what have you, they will have interests that, uh, that coincide with yours. And, and you will be able to find that special someone or that for, and that friend. Um, and uh, I mean, I've, I'm not a professional, so I can't really, I'm just talking from my own experience, of course. Um, but, and also I think that, you know, for parents out there too, I think that believe in your kid. Uh, don't, don't underestimate the potential that they have just because of the diagnosis. There is so much potential that uh, each of us have in us. And one little uh, characteristic that's different is not something that defines us. It's not something that should take away from who we are as people or our abilities. Because at the end of the day, the reason that we're all together here is because we want to make a difference in this world. We yeah, want to definitely. We want to change the world and we want to do the things that work for us rather than against us. And uh, if we are allowed to do that, we will change the world for the better. And you know, you may try and take us down, but uh, we are, our journey is just beginning and we will come back 10 times stronger than before and we will win. And so I just wanted to uh, you know, give that sort of hope yep and, uh, that sense of uh you know just believe just believe yes there's always gonna be light at the end of the remember time. to persevere but, definitely uh, don't don't be uh it's okay to be afraid and uh i realize that but try to find ways to uh to distract yourself from that fear and that's where i think finding a passion 
uh, helps. That's yes. what I think, you know, being on the spectrum helps too. I mean, it can really take away that anxiety and that fear of not being accepted. Definitely. I can agree with that. Well, Abe, I think we're done here. Do you got anything else you'd like to say? Well, I just wanted to thank you. I want to thank your mom. Uh, Gina, thank you very much for inviting me to be on the show. You were amazing. Your questions were articulate. They were detailed. They were fantastic. Uh, I, uh, you, you have a gift for Gab and a gift for uh, interviewing. So uh, I'm really impressed with how far your podcast has grown and just you know, keep doing your thing, man. I'm, uh, I'm really impressed. And Thank you. Uh, you know, Thank for you. everybody out there uh, who's thinking of uh, Indiana University, check out the Neurodiversity Coalition. We are gonna make a difference on this campus and we wanna help you achieve your goals on this campus as, uh, as someone who is different from the uh, regular crowd. So we're here for you. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Gina. And uh, keep doing your thing. Thanks for joining for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming very soon. I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much.